Welcome to A Well-Cared-For Human, the podcast that tries to convince you that you are 100% normal and an even better than okay example of the human species, despite the fact that sometimes we feel like the craziest, most incapable, or worthless creatures on the face of this planet. I'm Corey, an author, a creative, and the host of the show. Whatever you're bringing to the table today, I hope this episode proves to be a dose of inspiration for you on your quest to become a well-cared-for human. You can find the episode show notes, your free wellness blueprint, and more at awellcaredforhuman.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Hello humans, it's your host Corey, and today I want to talk about recommitment. And yes, I know this episode is following not so long after our resolutions episode. But no, I did not decide on this topic just because I expected all of us to fail or abandon our resolutions so soon. But thinking about resolutions did get me thinking about the inevitability of failure and what we can do next when we fail. But the word failure is a trigger word for many people. No one likes the idea of failing at something. But I've come to learn that failing is just a part of life, that it's in fact part of the success process, which was something that was really difficult for me to understand coming from such a hypercritical background in which everything I did was supposed to be evidence that I was no good, that I couldn't do anything well, that I would never succeed at anything. And if you come from a family history like mine where criticism was something that was heaped upon you often. Likely you also feel that your failures or your setbacks are evidence of your lack of worth or your lack of ability. But once I began to understand that failure is part of the success process, I started to build in practices and habits that would allow me to move past any sort of failure or setbacks as they came up. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about here, you might want to go back and listen to my episode on perfectionism. I believe I called it, You Can Be Perfect or You Can Be Free. (laughs) I talk a lot about the importance of trending upward rather than achieving perfection. That it's more about progress than about any kind of illusion of doing things perfectly right every time. So in that way, this episode goes hand in hand with that one. And a key component of success, of trending upward, is the notion of recommitment. When I encounter failure or I encounter a setback, recommitment is probably what has helped me get the furthest along on my path. It is what has made my own journey of trending upward easier to sustain. It's my key to perseverance. Because no matter what challenges come up, no matter if I've been utterly crushed or heartbroken or disappointed by an outcome, developing the habit of recommitting to my goals when faced with those setbacks, to recommitting to my ambition, to my vision of the life that I want for myself, recommitting to my wellness, to my happiness, my success, every time something happens and it shakes me and I want to give up, I recommit. If I fail, I recommit. If I face a setback, I recommit. If I have a disappointing outcome, I recommit. If I'm dealing with stagnation and low motivation and a lack of will to go on, then I find ways to recommit. So whatever it is that I'm faced with, that is an opportunity for me to clarify my goals and to recommit to those ambitions that I have for myself. 
I want to begin by looking at a few moments where I got hit by something hard and had to recommit to myself and my goals. What were the instances in my life that gave me the opportunity to practice recommitment? One of the first was struggling in college. I was the first person to go to college out of my parents. Neither of my parents went to university themselves. My dad dropped out of high school and joined the military and eventually got his GED, and my mom stopped attending school sometime around in the eighth grade. And so I found the transition from high school to college really difficult. I didn't have the resources or support to manage that, not to mention that there was a lot going on in my personal life from some really bad, toxic dating situations as well as the drama with my mother with her self-destructive behavior and alcoholism and things like that. So it was really hard for me to work and go to school at the same time. And so I became easily overwhelmed time and time again, just trying to do basic things like finish my course or figuring out what I wanted to even major in, (laughs) what I even saw for myself beyond school. I knew that I needed school to get out of my economic situation, that's what they always tell you, right? If you come from a poor background, this narrative of you must go to college and you must get a good job is really driven into you as the only path way out. I don't know if that's still true today, 20 years later, but back in 2001 when I was going to school, that was certainly the narrative that I was hearing. But I wasn't really well equipped to succeed in this kind of academic environment based on everything that I had going on. So I had to often reconsider what I was trying to do, what was school even doing for me, why did I want to be there. It was hard to stay focused and clarify what my vision was for myself beyond academia. There was also a period when I was 24, I think it was 2008, February 2008, when I was feeling pretty suicidal and I was really struggling with suicidal ideations and I just did not want to go on and I had to figure out how to recommit. But a couple other things that brought me to this moment of recommitment, one was my eating disorder. So when I struggled with my eating disorder, I also had to recommit to my health in order to break that habit. And anytime I've had breakups or heartbreaks or any kind of emotional loss. I had to figure out what was important to me. What did I want to do after? Did I want to start dating someone else? Which sometimes I did immediately right away just not to feel the pain of the breakup, which was not the healthiest response. But eventually I was able to start thinking more about what I wanted out of my relationships with other people, but also with myself. And then there's that story about my mom getting assaulted by her brother when he basically caved her head in with a glass ashtray um, when they were both very probably drunk or high and her ending up in the hospital being unable to speak, not even knowing her own name, and then recovery of that and me having to figure out how to recommit to myself after that because that was basically a turning point for me in which I realized I could not keep doing this cycle with her, this codependent cycle in which I kept trying to put her before my own needs, even though she was very self-destructive. And so that was another moment where I had to choose recommitment. 
to myself. And then, of course, being a writer, being an author, there's been a thousand times where I've had to recommit to my ambitions, to my journey, to what I wanted for myself. One example of that is when I had started out writing, I was following the traditional path. I got the fancy agent in New York who was trying to shop my book around to several editors at the big houses, you know, Random House, Simon & Schuster, HarperCollins, so on and so forth, and getting back these affirming but unhelpful (laughs) emails in which they're essentially telling me, oh, we really like her writing, we like her style, we just don't know how to sell this book because my books do not fit easily in any traditional genres. And so from a marketing perspective, and to be fair, that is what an editor's job is, is to figure out how to sell a book. So I understood their reservations about taking on something they weren't quite sure how to sell. Regardless, at the end, it resulted in me being rejected from many of these traditional publishing houses and then having to decide, okay, am I going to change the way I write? Am I going to conform to their standards in order to get published? Or am I going to do something else? Am I going to strike out on my own? Am I going to independently publish my stuff? Do I want to open my own independent press and decide to stay true to the kind of stories that I want to tell? And that's what I did. So I had to recommit again to what I wanted, even though it was outside the expectations of maybe more conventional means. And then again, in my publishing journey, my independent self-publishing journey, any time that I would face a setback like a poor book launch or sales numbers would fall for a month or anything that would happen along those lines, and I would become discouraged, I would have to recommit again. Do I want to keep doing this? Does this still matter to me? Is this still important? And of course, the answer was always yes. I'm going to be writing books until I die. Someone's going to find my body and have to pry a manuscript out of my lifeless grip at this point. But, you know, you have to find your reasons for going on because discouragement and setback is just going to be part of that. And in some of these situations, what helped me to recommit was gaining clarity of what I was trying to do and and reminding myself why I was even doing this to begin with. And with the example of struggling in college, every time I found myself overwhelmed by the process or I wasn't feeling confident in my courses or in my progress, I would just have to ask myself, why am I in school? Like, why am I even doing this to myself? And then I would have to remind myself, oh, yes, because I'm trying to open up economic opportunities for me. I'm trying to figure out what is important to me, what I like, what makes my life worth living, what I'm interested in, things that I didn't really have a space or opportunity to explore before then. And I was able to do that in college because, you know, college isn't just about getting your degree. I know a lot of people are like, I just want to get a degree and then get a job. But I think we know that having a degree doesn't guarantee that you'll get an amazing job. And there are other benefits to college, like in my case, figuring out what I live for, figuring out that I love art and languages and words and storytelling, finding other people who are interested and passionate in these things too, and making friendships that I still have to this day. So there were other things for me to gain from that experience, and so I had to clarify what it was I was trying to do whenever I would become discouraged. And sometimes you can gain that clarity by looking at what's happening to you in the moment by a little bit of reflection, journaling, or talking it out with a therapist or a good friend, something like that. But in the case of my 
suicidal situation in early 2008, you know, I didn't want to tell anybody that I was feeling that way. The fact that I felt suicidal seemed to me almost, I guess, shameful would be the emotion that would I would have put with that. I was experiencing some sort of shame that I even felt that way. Like, how could I feel suicidal? Like, why did I end up there? Things weren't that bad. I mean, let's be clear, they were absolutely that bad. <laughs> but I had not yet allowed myself to acknowledge that things were that terrible. And so I was like, oh, I shouldn't be feeling this way. Other people have it so much worse. How can I be so weak, etc.? And so because I was so wrapped up in the emotions like shame, I could not see my situation clearly and it wasn't possible in that instance to recommit from a place of clarity or that I had gained a bit of awareness upon reflection that was just not possible. But then again, in other situations, as with the eating disorder, it became more because I was just tired of doing something. I wanted to recommit to my health to my well-being because I was just sick of having this really terrible relationship with my body. I was worn out, essentially, of feeling that way. Whenever I would do any kind of eating and binging, I would, you know, have these very self-loathing, hateful thoughts to myself. I would look at myself in the mirror and be like, God, I'm just disgusting. I'm ugly. I'm hideous. And there just came a point where I was fed up with that narrative. And I it was almost like, well, so what? Like, so what if I am? What if I am the ugliest, fattest person in the world? Which none of these thoughts were realistic or made any sense whatsoever on the outside looking in. But to me, they felt very real at the time. But I was sick of them. I didn't want to even entertain that delusional voice anymore. And so the recommitment came from this place of exhaustion, of desperately wanting something else, something new in my life. And so there's many reasons why you might want to recommit to yourself, and there's many starting points of how you might get there. But just kind of taking you through the process of what does recommitment look like, whether it's a really small setback, you know, you wanted to learn Spanish, for example. I just spent about two hours studying Spanish this afternoon. Let's say you want to learn Spanish, but you had a terrible lesson, and now you feel like the dumbest person in the world. It can be a smaller setback like that. Or it can be some of this bigger, heavier stuff that I've dealt with in the past, like an eating disorder or suicidal ideations. Whatever it is, well, first of all, if it's really heavy, I think you would benefit from speaking to a professional, to a therapist. Do not just say, oh, well, Corey just said I need to recommit myself. Sometimes we need some serious external intervention in order to get back on track. So if it's something really serious that you're dealing with, don't try to go it alone. Certainly not with my voice alone. I am here for you and I care about you, but I am not qualified to get you out of a really dark place like that. So please, please, please get help if that's where you are. So no matter what your setback or your failure might be, here are some of the ways you can move forward from that. One is acknowledge that failures and setbacks allow us to refine our values, to understand what's more important to us. If we try something and it doesn't work out the way we expected it to or we wanted it to, we can ask ourselves, does this really matter to me? Is this worth the effort to me? Do I even want to go on from here? And if the answer is yes, you can push yourself even farther. You can ask yourself, well, why is it really important? What do I want to get out of this? And it will give you this sort of clarity as to what you're hoping for, what you want, what you would like to do. Are you just feeling momentarily discouraged and you need some minor adjustments in order to go on? 
Or is there a larger issue or pattern here that you now can see more clearly and you can work on breaking to help make your life and your process a little bit easier on yourself? Also, these setbacks and failures allow us to refine our vision of ourselves, to clarify our dreams, to get really clear on what we want and don't want in our lives. So when I was having those horrible relationships in which I would find one person to (laughs) replay these narratives about what a terrible person I am, when I would keep cycling through one bad relationship after another because of the toxic patterns I had learned and adapted to in childhood, When something bad would happen and I would be in tears and heartbroken again, it was a chance for me to ask myself, is this what I want in a partnership? Is this really what I'm aiming for? Do I want a person like this? Do I want a person who brings out these traits in me? And if I don't, what am I looking for instead? And so every heartbreak was actually an opportunity to get more and more clear on what I did want in a partner. And it moved me closer and closer to finding what was healthy for me, what would make me happy, what would help me to be the best possible version of myself. Setbacks and losses also give us a chance to practice self-love, self-forgiveness, self-compassion. When I look back now and see how much I was struggling with certain things, I mean, look at the college situation. I could look at my W's, my withdrawals on my transcript, or the, (laughs) you know, C or D, I can't even remember, it was a bad grade, in history of the English language, look at those failures and say, I'm the stupidest person that's ever lived, I'm a horrible student. Or look at that and use that as an opportunity to practice self-compassion for myself in which I say, you know, I was dealing with a lot right then, and the fact that I even had the wisdom to withdraw from that class or that I was even able to squeak by with the D, good on her. You know, just acknowledging that I did the best I possibly could with the situation, cutting myself some slack, understanding where I'm coming from, recognizing that, you know, it could have went this way instead, but I did this. It could have turned out like this, but it didn't because I kept doing this. And just acknowledging your amazing traits and your tenacity and the ways that you pulled through, even if it wasn't perfect, which goes back to the episode I was talking about in regards to perfection, trending upwards, progress, not doing everything exactly how it should be done by some random person's standards. And also, in addition to, you know, getting really clear on what matters to you, getting really clear on the vision you have for yourself and your dreams, as well as these opportunities to practice self-love, self-forgiveness, self-compassion. Setbacks and failures also do a great job of improving our resiliency, improving our strength, because every time we practice picking ourselves up, we're getting a little better at doing that. Not that any of us enjoy picking ourselves up repeatedly, but you know, when we do it, it does make us stronger, unfortunately. You know, I know some of us um, are no longer interested in that. I actually saw a really funny meme on Instagram the other day that was Like a woman was on the phone, pretending to be on the phone, and the caption was like, calling God to make sure I'm not on its 2023 strongest warriors list. (laughs) And that's kind of the situation, right? Like, we don't want these opportunities to be more resilient and strong. But if they come, you know, let's do what we can with it. Like, what else are we going to do? If we're going to find ourselves in this situation, we might as well make the most of it. And then lastly, in addition to resiliency and strength, you'll also find in hindsight, if you keep looking back at your life, that every setback, every failure 
provides you with this incremental mindset shift and it really makes you more impervious to bullshit. (laughs) And what I mean by that is, for example, when I look back on some of the relationships I had in my early 20s, you know, 15 years ago, every single one of those failures, every single one of those heartbreaks at the time just seemed all encompassing. It was really hard on me. I was crying and crying for weeks and weeks. You know, I was just absolutely depressed over things that now I just would not even entertain. I just would not tolerate that kind of treatment, that kind of situation, those kind of relationships. My boundaries and my perspective and view of myself has improved so much over time that those situations are just absolutely non-starters for me. I would never fail in the same way today that I would have 10, 15 years ago. And it's important to remember that, that every time you do hit a wall, every time something doesn't work out the way you want it to, you're never going to fail exactly that way again. Even if the shifts are small and incremental, you will continue to move in a stronger, more independent direction regardless. And if you, you know, cast your mind back, if you look back 10, 15 years, you'll be like, wow, yeah, I would not even put up with that today. And so be grateful. It's going to be hard (laughs) in the moment when you're suffering and you're like, well, this sucks. But be grateful in that moment that you are getting another one of these incremental shifts that are moving further and further away from the bullshit and closer and closer to wellness and health. So again, hard to do in the moment (laughs) when things aren't going your way. But remind yourself in those moments that when you look back in a future moment, one, two, three, four, five, ten years down the road, you will realize how the situation has worked out to your benefit. So in short, recommitment is picking yourself back up, It's deciding that you're not going to give up on yourself. You're not going to give up on the life that you want, on the dreams that you want. And recommitment is a habit that we can build with time and practice every time we fail, every time we have the misfortune, as we probably consider it at the time, to face a setback or a heartbreak or a failure. We are given the opportunity to recommit. And when we recommit, we're building that self-love, that self-forgiveness, that self-compassion, that resiliency, the strength, and we're clarifying what our vision for ourselves are, what our values are, and what we want out of our life. So it's absolutely a habit that we can build with time and practice, and it will make all the difference in our progress. And so if there's something you're working on in your life right now, maybe it's your 2023 resolutions, maybe not, maybe it's other goals you have. If you're struggling or if you've hit a wall, See this as the opportunity it is to make you stronger, to clear your mind, to improve your resilience, and know that the next step for you is to either let it go because it's not for you or to recommit. And in recommitting, moving yourself closer and closer to what it is you really want. And so that's it for today. This concludes my episode on recommitment. And this is also an invitation for you to consider what you might want to recommit to in your own life right now or give up on because it's not worth it. It's not worth your time, energy, or attention. And while you look at that, know that I will be back next week with another episode of A Well-Cared-For Human. And until then, please take good care of you. This episode of A Well-Cared-For Human was written and produced by me, Corey Marie. 
The music was by Late Night Feeler and Esther Abrami. If you like what I'm doing here, please consider visiting my Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you get early ad-free access to the episodes, as well as a monthly patrons-only Q&A, bonus videos, and more. Not to mention that your Patreon support lets me know that you find value in the show and want it to continue. You can find me on Patreon by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Marie. If you can't support the show financially, that is okay. You can still subscribe to the show, leave a review of the show, and recommend the show to your friends, not just the neurotic ones. All of this helps so much. And as always, thank you for listening.